people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, it's my great pleasure to be talking with Maria. Hi, Helen. Maria comes from Colombia. Maria and I haven't known each other long, but I've started to discover a little bit about her story of what it has been to travel from Colombia to Australia and work in Colombia versus working in Australia. And I thought she had some wonderful insights to share with our listeners about what that journey's like when you have to restart or change your workscape moving from country to country. So Maria, maybe you could kick us off with a little bit of context how did it come to be that you were moving from Colombia to Australia? Uh, yeah, thank you, Helen. Uh, it's great to be here. So I arrived to, into Australia last year, last December. It's been almost a year since I arrived. And the main reason that I decided to move to Australia was that uh, my brother lives here and I mm -hmm. wanted to be closer to him. But also because... Uh, in the last couple of years, I've been traveling and living in different countries. I lived in Amsterdam for a while and in London uh, for another couple of years. And I, I love uh, traveling and, and Australia sounded like a, a good place to, to start fresh. I was a little bit tired of my life in Colombia. So having my brother here and looking for a new place to start, I decided to move here. Right. And it seems then that that moving between countries isn't just a one-off thing. You've done this a few times. So does that mean you're starting to find your sea legs on changing countries and changing jobs? Yes, uh, I think uh, traveling is a, a great way to uh, learning about yourself and learning about other cultures that uh, I am passionate about learning about other cultures and other people and how people live uh, and expanding my paradigms about how life is uh, lived in different countries mm -hmm. so that's uh, why I have chosen to move to different countries in 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 my life and what's the kind of work that you're doing because that might be interesting to listeners then are you doing the same work that you were doing in Colombia did you do that same work in Amsterdam and London no so in, I lived in London and Amsterdam and I was studying there so I went to London to study English and then I moved to Amsterdam to do my master's in change management, which is the, uh, the practice I am involved in. I am a change manager. And since 2015, I've worked as a change manager, first in Colombia for three or four years. And then when I moved here, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to find a job in the change management industry. And I've been practicing change management since uh, July here. Great. Is there things that you've noticed as a difference? I'm sure there is, but maybe actually which things have really struck you as quite a difference between those cultures and Australian culture? One of them, the difference that I found between working in Colombia and working in Australia is the, how you relate to your leaders and colleagues. Here in Australia, I found that people are very approachable. Mm -hmm. When I was looking for jobs, I could reach out to people in different industries, in different levels. And I was very surprised by that because in Colombia, you wouldn't be able to do that. You could, but people would, would, wouldn't uh, get back to you as easily as here. So I think how you relate to your leaders and how you relate to your different colleagues, it's, it's very different. Mm -hmm. And it's been a, quite a challenge for me to change my paradigm about uh, engaging with my leader back in Colombia or, or here, uh, that's, that's been uh, quite a challenge for me. 
So for you, that's a sense about what you believe in your mind, but maybe then what skills you have and what tools that you have is in your repertoire to do that kind of activity. Yeah, exactly. So for example, I had my former leader back in Colombia and she would be very interested in the daily things I would do and she would engage with me in doing presentations and putting together presentations. Whereas here, I have a lot of freedom if I stick to the framework that we work with and uh, stick to, to the general rules, I can be, I, I have liberty to put my own approach to change. And at the beginning, I felt like I was left alone or abandoned in a way. So I would look for my leader to, for approval. And then I realized that that wasn't her way of doing things. So I decided to approach and reach out to her and say, like, I think this is how I relate to leaders let me know if that's the way you're expecting to do that and we had a conversation and we cleared that space and it was great because I understood that it was my own belief of how I should relate to my leader and she had another belief and we never discussed that so we were having a lot of differences there so I feel going back to the toolkit I feel like I have a lot of tools and resources that I brought back from Colombia and I think they are very useful but I think I, I have to adapt them to the culture here and how people in Australia work and how they approach working. So I'm still learning that working from home has meant that it's a longer process and mm. it takes more time to understand how the culture works. But I'm, I'm getting there and I'm learning how Australians engage with work and things like how you manage your own time and how you manage the day schedule and that it's you have to get used to those things again well and the fact that you're talking about this and here we are in October 2020 in the pandemic and we are both living in the state of Victoria in Australia which has got heightened restrictions we in Australia are undergoing our own cultural revolution around these things so there's a point where it's even difficult to say well what is the Australian way because if you ask people this was not the Australian way 10 months ago or six months ago so you're you're coming at a point where Australians are trying to figure this out while you're trying to figure out what Australians are trying to figure it out yeah definitely so I feel I've been thinking about a metaphor metaphor of how to explain this and Mm -hmm. the metaphor I can think of it's like peeling an onion So there are a lot of layers because I came here to a new country to work in a language that is is not my first language. So changing my brain from Spanish to English was one thing. I feel like I'm, I believe I'm fluent in English, but not in uh, business English. So there's a lot of acronyms and a lot of jargon that you use here that I haven't, like I haven't been in like in contact with so I always have a Google page open just to to Google what what does this acronym excellent tip (laughs) excellent tip so that's yeah for example I recently learned what COB means I didn't know that it's close of business and it refers to the end of the day of the business day and that was like mind-blowing for me because I had never came across that acronym Mm -hmm. before Uh, so I have I have learned a lot of new things in in the business English sense of my language, but also I'm I'm also learning about a national culture in terms of how people behave and what people do. I have been here in Australia before as a tourist, but being here as a resident is different. And on top of that, there's another layer that it's living in a pandemic uh, Mm. state of mind. Yes. 
So I haven't been able to meet my colleagues, for example. I just met one on the first day and the rest of my colleagues, I've been engaging with them through video calls. Wow, that, that's very strange, very strange. So yeah. there's, there's a couple of things that come out in there for me. I mean, when you were talking about the different layers, I know when I'm actually a New Zealander and when I came to Australia, I actually found it a challenge because people, English is my first language and people thought, well, New Zealand and Australia is the same. So there's no difference. We don't need to educate you on anything, but there were different phrases. So while it might not have been an acronym, but there were different phrases or different idioms so actually I was speaking with a French guy that I was working with the other day and I said something about kicking it out of the park and he went what what does that mean I went that means oh what does it mean I think it means you know you've done really well it's probably related to the Australian football game and that you scored a goal and so sometimes those idioms that just roll off our tongue we think there's no reason to explain them we might think oh yes COB an acronym yeah yeah that's worth explaining but those idioms can be a real challenge but that's just kind of the net background stuff and another one that I think of is when I arrived in Australia the New Zealand political system is set up differently like we don't have states and so the notion that here in Australia that there were states and each state had its own driver's license and each state had maybe it's different rules for things and it's like I've got to get in my head around this notion of states and what what what's different between states and you know what I actually had an experience about uh, related to that last week yes public holidays like uh, why on earth different states have different public holidays so my leader is actually in South Australia in Adelaide and they had a public holiday last week and I was like I was working but she was on holiday and or or public holiday and I was like why (laughs) like how (laughs) so would be the case then in Colombia that any public holiday everybody in Colombia yeah it's national Uh, actually Colombia is I think if not the Number one country is in the top three of countries with the most public holidays uh, in a year. I think there's something up around 18, 16 public holidays through the year. A fun fact is that if the public holiday is in a Wednesday or Thursday in the middle of the week, the public holiday goes to the next Monday so we can have a long weekend. Wow. So we actually have around 12 or 13 uh, long weekends through the year. <laughs> Which makes for a different kind of rhythm of the year because I know one of the things for me, also from New Zealand, where this where the public holidays are sprinkled, there is a, a, a holiday the last half of the year. Where in Australia there's not. You have the holidays all up front, and then people kind of feel like between about June through to maybe Cup Day in November, it's like this long period of working with no breaks. Yeah, I think. We don't have holidays here in February and September, and those months are the longest ones of the year. (laughs) I'm wondering, if if I moved to Colombia, what would you be telling me? Now, Helen, if you're going to work in Colombia, what you need to know is? I would say uh, there are so many things. I think we are a a little bit behind in the autonomy side of things. Okay. Leaders still want to see people on their workstations. And I have been wondering how the pandemic is working for people in Colombia, because I know that leaders suffer a lot when they don't see their employees in their workstations. So I don't know how the trust issues are working out for people working from home. So, yeah, I'd say that we are a little bit behind in that autonomy, uh, giving space to employees to lower their own things 
uh, employ uh, leaders or bosses are still very uh, straightforward on what they want people to to do and how to do it. Of course, that depends on the industry, but yeah, I think that's a general thing in Colombia. So I would have to make quite an adjustment then, like you made the adjustment coming this way. Yeah. If I went to the adjustment where I was used to being able to talk to leaders easily, I'd have to figure out what is it then to work in a hierarchy because yes. my actions might be misinterpreted as, well, I don't know, I might be seen as being bossy or controlling when in fact people would be expecting me to maybe a bit more differential or understanding. Would that, yeah. that be the kind of clash that might happen culturally? Yeah, for example, I, I could give you an example. So I I had to reach out to a senior leader in my in my organization the other day, and I wasn't sure if I was able to reach out to him directly or not. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to or was allowed. I don't know how, how the culture works. So I reached out to a colleague and said, like, hey, I, I need to reach out to, to the senior leader and let him know that we have a meeting next week how should I do it? And he would, he said like, yeah, just reach out to him. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know if there's like a regular protocol, protocol like a, or something. Yeah, protocol or something. He, he's like, he said like, he's the most approachable person in, in this organization. So if I had to do that back in Colombia, I would have to go through the hierarchy first. Yep. In Col- like, for example, it's senior leaders are usually in the top floor in the, in a building and those floors are like closed for regular employees. So right. that's, that's how the culture is in Colombia. So it, the hierarchy is very important. I would imagine yeah. time factors into that too. Whereas if you could quickly have that conversation in Australia in Colombia, it takes mm-hmm. much longer. So yeah. if I was coming to Colombia to work, I might be, this takes forever, which, mm-hmm. you know, speaks to another thing. I think when you are changing workscapes in countries is the emotionals part. Yeah. Is there yeah, something but, that you might comment with that you've noticed in terms of the emotions that came up for you and how you might have had to deal with them as you were entering into the Australian workscape? Yeah, so I think and this is also part of the context we are in right now in the pandemic. Uh, in the two jobs that I have in Colombia where I stayed the most, I made my like I met my best friends, people that I still have contact with, and I usually talk to them every day. Yeah, we usually text or something. And so my expectation here was to meet friends also at work. Mm. Uh, being the case that I don't have a personal network, I like I, I my brother lives here, but he has a child. He has like a different phase of things. Yes. Uh, although he has been very supportive, uh, and I thank him every day uh, but I was looking forward to meet friends and colleagues and, and peers in my workplace and I haven't been able to do that in a personal way mm. or a, in a more engaging way because we are working from home yes uh, so yeah I have been I have felt isolated it took me a while to feel part of the organization mm-hmm. and to feel part of the culture not because they weren't welcoming or anything but because my mindset and my brain was like, if, if I'm here working from my home, I live alone, I don't have to go to my place of work or, or take transportation or, or anything. So yeah, I, I, feel, I feel sometimes that I, I'm missing that connectedness that I would get from, from my other jobs back in Colombia, that we would have like a very familiar relationship and very close relationship with, with our colleagues. The Colombian culture is very 
friendly and very familiar. So we would be like long life friends. Right. From from work. And and I too know that I have made friendships that still persist to this day that came from working because there's something about working alongside people. Now, I also know that we have a contact in common that you haven't been in a working relationship. And in fact, when that person said, hey, I know this person, Maria, are there people in my network I might reach out to? I'm curious. And that's Gilbert I'm talking about. How <laughs> was it that you came to meet Gilbert? Because I think one of the things when you do arrive in a new country is you don't have those people you know in those relationships so what was the steps you took to kind of find and make those connections so when one of the things that I took for for granted when I arrived here was that looking or finding a job was going to be easier than it was of course COVID make it made made it harder but yes. putting COVID aside when I arrived last December and I started looking for jobs there was a lot of offer online so I said like oh yeah Australia needs change managers I think this is going to be easy and I decided to apply online mostly even though my brother had told me that networking was a big deal thing here but I was like if if I don't if if I don't need to go through that I'll be happier so I started applying online and I was very optimistic because, because I had a couple of leads from the start so I was like going to interviews and having a, a phone calls and that I was in a process with different interviews and different steps so I was looking forward to that and then March came COVID came a lot of uh, selection uh, processes were put on hold mm. and March and April were really tough months for me in terms of my motivation was very low I didn't feel like looking for jobs I was very uh, in a very not very dark, but it was a dark place for me. And then I decided I I needed to do something. Mm -hmm. I couldn't wait for COVID to go away. And I took my brother's advice and said like, okay, I have to put myself out there. I need to build this network because yeah, not having a a network is a very hard thing. Mm -hmm. And And it's something that you take for granted when you are in your own country or home country. But once you move, it's something that you really miss. Mm -hmm. I must say that I asked for guidance in this uh, strategy. Uh, I wasn't alone there. Uh, A a professional coach helped me Mm -hmm. and coached me through the process. And the process was to reach out to people in not in 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 a way of, hey, I'm looking for a job. Do you have one? But more in a curious way. So I did my research. I researched for people in my industry that had a reputation of sorts. course one of the people that came out was Gilbert because he like who doesn't know Gilbert and everything that he has been uh, doing in the in the industry and I reach out to a lot of people through LinkedIn in a way like hey I'm here I'm new I would like to seek your advice if you are open to Mm. and Gilbert was like yeah of course when I met Gilbert we were in between lockdowns so I was able to meet him face to face which I think was great because it gave us a sense of connectedness that perhaps with other people I didn't get virtual coffees. 
And what we thought was going to be like a 40 minutes, one hour chat turned into a two hours. And we talked a lot about different things. And he gave me good advice on, on how to look for jobs. But also he was interested in my experience back in Colombia. And I also asked a lot of questions. That's something that I also learned here, that when you are interviewing or you're meeting people, you have to actually ask questions to them instead of them asking questions yep. to you. So I had my list of questions and right. we, we clicked and it was great. He was very kind to introduce me to other people. And it was actually through someone that I met through him that I found my current job. Great. So there's some great insights there in terms of being prepared and taking an assertive step. Was that something that was part of your Colombian experience or was that also something you needed to learn in Australia? I had to learn it also because I'm not the kind of person that I would usually reach out to people and I felt very uncomfortable putting myself out there like, Mm -hmm. hey, how are you? I'm here. And also because I would go through the professional history of of people like uh, Karen Ferris or people like you, Helen. Uh, And I was like, so overwhelmed and I was like oh my god what what am I going to say to these people like they are giving me their time their valuable time and I don't I don't know what to say like I don't know if my experience is relevant for them and uh, I was very doubtful of myself Mm. Uh, so that was another thing that I had to go through and learn how to put myself out there and how to believe in my own experience and my own skills So yeah, it was like a very, very emotional process going on behind. Mm. And uh, people have told me like, you were, you were putting yourself out there and you were very courageous and you were like reaching out to everyone in the industry and writing articles and doing this and doing that. Uh, Yeah, that, that was perhaps my external facade or yeah, my, my external face. But in the inside, I was like very, very nervous and I was also self-conscious of my English so yeah it was it, it was an emotional roller coaster those those couple of months so one I think one people can take away from that is that even if you're feeling that way inside don't let that be an obstacle to not yeah. do it because yeah. I was one of those people on the receiving end and I wasn't picking up on that so where you might have felt like this is going to be obvious to people if I'm feeling this way it was not and I said to you at the time the fact that you reached out and talked to people and then I was aware that there was an article that you wrote and published makes you stand out from a whole lot of people and at a point when you're trying to find your way to fit in is it a bit of a challenge to kind of fit in and yet stand out because you're wanting to be noticed to be brought into circles and networks Mm -hmm. and into job possibilities yeah and the other thing that I didn't want to people to to feel was that I was reaching out to them just to look for a job (laughs) or to use them yeah uh, to find a job I was, when I started this process, of course, in my mind was to find a job, of course, Mm -hmm. that was my goal. But in in the process, I I have met wonderful people. And I'm so glad that I I went through that process. Because if if I had found a job through the online application process, yeah, probably I would have found a job at some point. Yeah, but meeting you and meeting these wonderful people that I've met in the industry, it's been great because I have learned so much in this process. Uh, I have, I, I'm still in contact with some of those people that I've met. 
and I'm working with some of you now in the Change Community Hub, which is great. So yeah, it, it gave me a boost of motivation. Some of you have become my uh, sheer squad in this process. That's, that's super important. So if you start creating your network to find a job, you will find that it's one thing out of building your network in, in, in a new country, but the, the long-term outcome or, or the most important or significant outcome is that you actually make a personal network as well. Mm. And uh, I know that I can reach out to these people if I have an issue or if I want to share something or if I have an idea, I know that you, I can reach out to you guys and you'll be there. Uh, so that's, that's been a great yeah, outcome out of all this process. You use the phrase there, chair squad, and I think that's a, a really useful tip, and I'd like you to think of a couple more in a moment. But I think many people think networking, ah, oh, that means I just connect to a whole lot of people on LinkedIn. And what I would say to people who are listening and what you're illustrating here is, no, have a more me- networking is about meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. So they are people you could reach out to with a question or an issue, or they could be people who are just your chair squad, who are there to celebrate with you when you get a job or something. So there's that kind of more of a richer connection. So it seems that that's really a valuable thing to be intentionally creating mm-hmm. and that you did it rather than just saying, I'm looking for a job. You did it yeah. with, I'd like to get to know people and, and, and share something of myself while learn something of them. Yeah, of course. I think that you can do the adding people to your LinkedIn network and that works. Having 500 plus connections works, I think, for some. But it's actually about those meaningful connections, what, what matters. So I had a list of, I don't know, maybe 100 people to reach out to. And of those 100, I reached out to, I don't know, 70 people. But I didn't reach out to them, like send a general email. So I took my time to write a personal note to each of them. To do that, I went through their LinkedIn profile and did a little bit of research to see what, what their interests were and what connections we had in terms of our industry or our experience. Right. So I found, for example, people that had worked in South America. So the message would, would go like, I know that you work in South America. Maybe you could provide me with tips or feedback or insights on how different the, the cultures are. Great uh, question. Or people that I knew were interested in topics that I was also interested in. So I would tailor the message in that way. So it's not just to reach out to a lot of people. You have to create a meaningful connection out of that. Mm. And I think, for example, with Gilbert, that was great because I, I did researched his website and his work and I was able to provide feedback on that and I think that when people feel that you have done your part and you're not only looking for okay so who can I contact to find my next job I think they appreciate that. Gilbert's a good example because he's somebody who came to Australia from another country Mm -hmm. himself and so he's actually giving that lived experience and I know if we talk to Gilbert he would be like I'm just paying it forward you know somebody did it for me and and I'm paying it forward. Yes yeah definitely he was great in that sense we also shared that I live in Amsterdam so we talked a little bit about the difference between the Dutch culture and the Australian culture and the Colombian culture but yeah it's about those meaningful connections yes that makes the difference between finding a job or creating a network and meaningful networking in a new country that you have moved to and is there maybe a final tip that you could leave people with in terms of your advice of when you're moving to a new country and you're looking to integrate yourself and fit into a new workscape 
Yeah, so when I was reflecting on my experience last night in preparation for this conversation, I was thinking that if I was able to do something different, one thing differently, I would do the this, which I, I'll give some context. So sure. when I was planning my move to Australia, I was also finishing all my projects that I had been working on in Colombia. And I was packing my life in in three suitcases and I was saying goodbye to family and friends. So I was with a lot of things going on in my head. And I assumed that the working experience here in Australia was going to be similar to the one I had in Colombia. So I took that for granted. And when I came here, I realized that it wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. So if I could do something differently, I would have taken the time to actually research the market in terms of having a a, a sense of what is going in in the country you're moving to in terms of how the industry is moving your industry that you you're working on is moving in that place perhaps not start applying for jobs because that's another thing and it's very emotional and with all the the emotions that come with a move putting the applying for jobs emotions it's too much But I would have taken some time to research the industry Mm -hmm. in Australia and seeing what was out there to come in a better place and to come more prepared to what comes next after you arrive to to the new country that is looking for, for a job. And do you think you would have even taken that research to the level of like reaching out to connect with people in that country? I would like to say that if you had the time, I would have. But that wasn't in my mind, because when you're moving to a new country, I think you're focusing on actually getting there. Right. But what happens next phase, it's so blurry and so uncertain that you don't have, I don't think you have the the mindset or the tools to start reaching out to people in that way. But yeah, maybe maybe going through at least having a, a LinkedIn search in if there's any industry bodies there or if there's a a community there of practice in your industry at least a couple of names of people that you might actually reach out when you arrive to the country that would have made the difference Mm. Uh, but at first I didn't know I didn't want to understand the importance of, of networking and also I was my head was in different places. So So a a thought that occurs to me that has come from my own experience that I can share in closing is that when you do arrive in a new country is to give yourself some time to acclimatize Mm -hmm. because your head is so busy with everything else. It's almost like you can arrive exhausted. It's like, well, I'm here. Now I've got to unpack. And then the basics that you're uh, expecting to maybe be the same, like, oh, I'll get a haircut. Oh, I've never got a haircut in a foreign country. How do I, you know, particularly for me that was in Asia, they didn't know how to deal with my hair, where which I'm like, a haircut's a haircut. But, you know, these simple things could actually mount up and, and feel overwhelming. So my advice would be to give yourself some respite and go easy on yourself and be kind to yourself because you will be tired when you arrive. There's lots that you're adjusting to, which takes its own emotional toll, that if you're immediately jumping into a job and, and expecting you'll be good and, and you're yeah, shaking no. your head <laughs> in agreement with me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there are so many things that you never think of, like moving to a new place. I didn't know that you have to con- you had to connect the energy and the gas and that was like, why why do I have to choose a provider? Like, I don't need to make more decisions at this point. Like, 
can someone make that decision for me? <laughs> so that's a wonderful point. Yeah, be beware the decision fatigue and prepare yourself for the decision yeah. fatigue that comes in moving to a new yes. place. Maria, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for the insights you've shared with us about moving between countries. Thank you for having me, Helen. This, is, this has been very, very nice. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on Twitter at Be Self Unlimited.